Hello and welcome. You are listening to Dot Mill Docs. This is the 80th episode of the Military Health Systems Official Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Lockwood, and it's Thursday, October 15, 2009. This month, the Military Health System is recognizing October as Women's Health Month. As part of this important monthly theme, we've set up a special page at health.mil slash women's health. There you will find a wealth of information about women's health and links to the many different programs and resources available to female health care beneficiaries in the DOD's care. This week, we're talking to Dr. George Peoples, an Army colonel and the director and principal investigator of the DOD Cancer Vaccine Development Program. He also serves as deputy director of the United States Military Cancer Institute and chief of surgical oncology in the Department of Surgery at Brook Army Medical Center. He's here today to talk to us about a recent clinical trial in search of a breast cancer vaccine. Dr. Peoples, welcome to Dot Mill Docs. Well, thank you for having me. To start us off, what are some of the novel treatments for women with breast cancer? Well, there's a lot of new exciting treatments uh, that are available uh, nowadays. Obviously, this has been a multi-modality type uh, approach to breast cancer for some time. And the, the type of modality we normally think of is surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. And there have been changes even among those. But there have been uh, even more uh, modalities that have been added to the normal treatment regimen for breast cancer, including more advanced types of hormonal therapy, immunotherapy, uh, and now uh, the research is even moving into very specialized small molecule type therapies that target specific signaling pathways in breast cancer. So you mentioned some new types of immunotherapy. What exactly is immunotherapy? Immunotherapy is either the use of the body's own immune system or some component of the immune system as a means for treating uh, breast cancer or, quite frankly, other types of cancers as well. Um, okay. Are, are there any different types of immunotherapy? There are. Probably the one that most people are, or the one that most people are um, familiar with is Herceptin therapy. Uh, Herceptin came onto the scene probably about 10 years ago now in the metastatic setting, and about five years ago was approved in the adjuvant setting. But what makes Herceptin different from all other types of uh, breast cancer treatment is that it's actually an antibody. It's not a chemical, it's not chemotherapy, but it's actually an antibody, a component of the immune system. Now, this is a man-made, constructed type uh, antibody, but still, it is a way of showing that uh, the immune system has the ability to impact cancer. Now, Herceptin is uh, used both in the metastatic setting of breast cancer. It was approved in 1999 for that. And then in 2003, it received approval on the adjuvant setting. And what I mean by adjuvant setting is after uh, a woman has had her surgery uh, and oftentimes uh, chemotherapy and radiation, um, then Herceptin can also be added, usually in combination with chemotherapy initially and then continued on for as long as a year after uh, as monotherapy. But that Herceptin molecule, which is an antibody, binds to any cancer cells out there to a specialized protein called HER2NU, and that binding causes a, a series of actions and mechanisms uh, that are therapeutic in treating uh, a woman's breast cancer and has been shown to decrease the risk of recurrence by 50%. That's very exciting. Is Herceptin therapy the only type of immunotherapy? 
No, it's it's not. It's the one that has really led the way um, to our understanding of immunotherapy and, and also the introduction of immunotherapy into the actual clinical setting. But there are different forms. Uh, this one it would be called a passive immunotherapy. It's, it's something we give to women, and then once we no longer give it, it has no lasting effect. It's not really meant to specifically impact, say, the, the, the patient's own immune system. Alternatively, there is um, active-specific immunity, which is a way of actually using some component, some agent, like a, a vaccine, which specifically activates the body's own immune system to try to fight the cancer. The obvious advantage to this is there is the potential of a lasting effect uh, such that the person may have uh, long-term immunologic memory such that their immune system can respond to future uh, insults or, or attacks by cancer, similar to uh, what we think of as a a vaccine against an infectious disease, that you have that immunity that helps protect you from future uh, insult. So it sounds like we could almost call these active immunotherapies a cancer vaccine. That's right. And oftentimes that's the term that's used uh, for active specific immunity is vaccines. Um, because they do act like infectious disease type vaccines, they're, they're meant to stimulate the immune system. They promote long-term immunity, uh, that immunologic memory that does help you pr protect uh, an individual against future insults. That sounds very intriguing. I can't wait to hear more about what you have to say with these cancer vaccines. But first, we're going to take a quick break for the Dot Mill Docs Health Beat, news and information from the military health system. When we return, we'll talk to Dr. Peoples a little more in depth about cancer vaccines. Dot Mill Docs Health Beat. In news regarding H1N1 influenza, also known as swine flu, TRICARE is suspending referral and authorization requirements for TRICARE Prime beneficiaries, allowing them to receive the H1N1 vaccine from any TRICARE authorized provider without a referral from their primary care manager. The suspension period is expected to last from now until April 30th, 2010. The H1N1 flu vaccine is covered by TRICARE as long as it is administered in a doctor's office. H1N1 flu vaccines administered in a civilian pharmacy, drugstore, or other location are not covered by TRICARE. For more information about preparing for flu season, visit the TRICARE H1N1 flu resources website at www.tricare.mil slash flu. An Army psychologist explained to Army spouses and support group leaders last week that eight years of repeated, lengthy deployments have resulted in higher rates of anxiety and depression among Army children, as well as misbehavior in school. In an effort to deal with the trend and provide a central place for Army children to get mental and physical help, Colonel Chris Peterson and other experts at Madigan Army Medical Center developed the Military Child and Adolescent Center of Excellence. Peterson hopes the center will continue to build and become a one-stop resource for behavioral and mental programs for military children. Finally, the price appears to be right for former game show host and naval aviator Bob Barker, who donated $3 million to help build a premier defense department center for wounded warriors suffering traumatic brain injuries. The donation brings the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund to its $60 million goal to build the National Intrepid Center of Excellence. 
The 72,000 square foot, two-story facility is expected to open next year, adjacent to the new Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland. Barker, who's best known as the longtime host of the Price is Right game show, called his donation a way to give back to those who serve or have served in the military. And that's your Dot Mill Docs Health Beat for the Military Health System. I'm Matt Beto. All right, welcome back to Dot Mill Docs. Our guest today is Dr. George Peoples, director of the DOD's Cancer Vaccine Development Program. Dr. Peoples, before the break, you hinted at the exciting developments in cancer vaccines. Can you talk a little more about what research has been accomplished specifically with these new vaccines? Well, the concept of cancer vaccines is actually not a new one. Uh, The history of of using some form of active specific immunity uh, to try to stimulate the body's own immune system to recognize and fight cancer dates back really to the turn of the century. Um, And there has been a lot of information collected over uh, the century of how the immune system works, how the immune system specifically recognizes cancer. The majority of that information and really the explosion in the field has occurred over the last 20 to 30 years. And there now has been hundreds of cancer vaccines that have been discovered, developed, and tested in some series of of clinical trials. Do you mean like the cervical cancer vaccine? That's a a good question. Um, The cervical cancer vaccine Um, is uh, a way of, um, it is a form of active specific immunity in that you're stimulating the body's immune system to recognize um, a virus, though, not a cancer. So it's really not a true cancer vaccine by our definition because it's meant to help protect against a particular type of virus, the human papillomavirus, but we do know that that virus and, and that infection associated with that virus is what leads to cervical cancer. So it's kind of a secondary prevention, if you would. So while the cervical cancer vaccine obviously helps protect against cervical cancer, it's actually targeted against a virus, not the cancer itself. Are there any cancer vaccine prevention trials in breast cancer? There are. Um, there have been a handful of trials, and most of these have been very small in in nature. Uh, But uh, we have actually been involved with probably the largest um, cancer prevention vaccine trial uh, to date. Uh, One of the the problems that we've we've had in the field of cancer vaccine development is initially these vaccines were being tested uh, in later stage patients, patients with metastatic disease. And of course, at that point in time, it's difficult to come up with an agent that can stimulate the immune system to reject uh, a tumor that's already established. And so um, our personal uh, philosophy on this and, and the cancer vaccine development program's strategy has been to use vaccines in a preventive uh, mode. And so what I mean by that is our trials have been designed um, to target the vaccines to women who have had breast cancer but who have been completely treated uh, by our multimodality therapy. They're currently disease-free but at high risk for recurrence. And so by vaccinating these women, 
Um, they do not have an ongoing tumor burden. Their immune systems have recovered from their treatments. And so our vaccines are very effective in raising the immunity. And then we allow the vaccines to do what they're designed to do, and that is to prevent disease, not treat it. Our current um, trial, or I should say our lead trial, <clears throat> is a trial of about 200 women um, who were enrolled, similar to what I've just described, uh, women who had breast cancer, treated, disease-free, but at risk for recurrence. Half of the women were vaccinated. Half of the women were followed prospectively as controls. And now we are approaching the five-year uh, end to that study. And what we have found is the women who are vaccinated with our lead uh, vaccine have about a 40% reduction in their risk of recurrence. So what type of advantage does this new vaccine offer over the proven Herceptin therapy you talked about earlier? And that also is a good question because it turns out that the vaccine, which is our lead product, which is called E75, that lead vaccine targets the immune system to recognize that same specialized protein, her 2 new, that Herceptin recognizes. And so it leads one to, to question why a vaccine over uh, an antibody if you're targeting the same protein. And the advantage of the vaccine is that definition difference between passive immunotherapy and active specific immunotherapy. Remember, Herceptin has no lasting effect, whereas the vaccine, E75, an active specific immunity, targets the immune system to recognize that HER2 new protein on cancer cells in a more natural way such the immune system develops its own robust response to that protein and therefore will also develop that long-term immunologic memory that will protect the host against future insults by any HER2-expressing cancer. So what is planned next for this new vaccine E75? Well, the, the trial that I just mentioned was a phase two trial, uh, which means that there has been some benefit shown to the vaccine. But ultimately, we have to prove that that's real. And the way we do that is in more advanced type trials, a phase three trial, where women will be randomized to either receive the vaccine versus an adjuvant. And this will be done in a very controlled type trial, which the FDA has already looked at uh, and has given their concurrence to what's called a special protocol assessment. So this is really the final phase of testing for the E75 vaccine. It's been licensed to a biotech company that will be running this trial. The trial will last approximately four years. And then at the completion of that trial, the FDA will be reviewing the results to determine whether or not this will become a commercially available vaccine. Well, that sounds really interesting. As a woman, I have to say I'm eager to hear how those trials are going to go, and I'm definitely hopeful for the best. Dr. Peoples, I want to thank you so much for being with us today on Dot Mill Docs. It was great to learn more about these cancer vaccinations and the future of breast cancer research. Well, thank you for having me. That does it for us this week on Dot Mill Docs. Once again, please visit health.mil slash women's health for more information and resources available across the MHS and beyond. Don't forget that October 30th marks the deadline to submit nominations for the Building Stronger Female Physicians in the MHS Award. 
Listen to Dot Mill Docs episode 78 for more information about this award. You can get the nomination form at health.mill/people. While I'm talking about awards, the MHS has established an external awards committee to identify and nominate outstanding employees of the MHS for external recognition. Read about upcoming nomination opportunities at health.mil/awards. Dotmill Docs will be back next week with not one but two episodes. Join us here on Tuesday as we talk to Colonel Pete Mapes about saving lives through epidemiology. Tune in again on Thursday for a conversation with Dr. Sarah Page of Brook Army Medical Center on prenatal care and how it relates particularly to women in the military. Until next time, thanks for listening. This program is a product of the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Affairs, Military Health System. Dot Mill Docs features the most relevant military health topics important to you and your family. If you have questions or topics you'd like to see on an upcoming episode, send us an email at dotmildocs at tma.osd.mil. That's D-O-T-M-I-L-D-O-C-S at tma.osd.mil. Visit health.mil for more episodes. Thank you.